This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. We'll be turning in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. And while you do that, uh, I'm going to read just one verse from Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 20. But you don't need to turn to this. Jeremiah 16, verse 20. Will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? Will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? And then in Exodus chapter 32. Now when the people saw Moses delayed coming down from the mountain... The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods. Or in the margin it says, Come make us a god that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink. And rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And if you read on in that story, you'll see that God was very, very angry indeed, and, uh, and, and, and caused, he, he, he took that golden calf and he smashed it in a million pieces and threw it in the stream and made them, made them drink of the water of the stream. And he was very, very angry. It's been just over 2,000 years now since Jesus walked on the earth. Huge changes have taken place since that time. Great giant strides forward in almost every field of endeavor you can imagine. In science and education and medicine and travel and communication and technology. In fact, if you own a smartphone, uh, almost literally, literally almost all the information in the world today is right at your fingertips if you've got a smartphone. Almost everything you would ever need to know educationally, you can find it on the internet. You've access to every museum, to every university, to everything is at your fingertips. And so this has catapulted us into a world that 2,000 years ago would have been remotely impossible. They could not even begin to imagine the world that we live in. Today we have democracy. Uh, we can elect governments in the ancient world that was unheard of. But now we have it. 
Uh, we can travel for the most part to any country that we wish to go to. We have certainly a greater degree of autonomy uh, than ever before. We have rights. We have citizens' rights, civil rights, human rights, every right you can imagine. Uh, we have money for purchasing power. Uh, we are liberated. We're self-sufficient. We're independent. We can choose whatever lifestyle that we want to live and lead. Whatever one we like, we can choose for ourselves. However, in spite of all the advantages that we have today, there is one major disadvantage in all of this. And that is that it has changed our perception of God. Man's perception of God has changed a lot. Even in my lifetime, in your lifetime, it has changed <coughs> dramatically. And the God of the Bible that men used to know, they know no longer. And we have invented gods that suit us. We have invented gods that suit our lifestyles, that suit our preferences, gods that we want them to be, gods of our own making, a God that bows to our whims and our feelings. How many times have you heard statements like this? If there was a God, there would be no starving children in the world. You've heard that, haven't you? If God really, really cared, then my friend would not have died. If I was God, then life would not be so unfair to so many people in this world. Or God made me this way, therefore I don't need to change. Or... I can live whatever way I like because God's grace covers everything. And so we, we invent a God in our minds that's not the true God, but a God that we would like him to be or would want him to be or would imagine him to be, but not the God of the Bible. There used to be a song years ago, and people of my generation would remember it. Tony Bennett used to sing it and. Harry Seacom, if you can remember him. And it was called, If I Ruled the World. And it's an old song. Here's the words. Simple word. If I ruled the world, every day would be the first day of spring. Every heart would have a new song to sing. And we'd sing of the joy every morning would bring. If I ruled the world, every man would be as free as a bird. Every voice would be a voice to be heard. Take my word, we would treasure each day that occurred. My world would be a beautiful place where we would weave such wonderful dreams. My world would wear a smile on its face like the man on the moon has when the moon beams. If I ruled the world, every man would say the world was his friend. There would be happiness that no man could end. No, my friend, not if I ruled the world. Every head would be held up high. There'd be sunshine on everyone's sky if the day ever dawned when I ruled the world. You see, that song implies that God is not making a very good job of it, but if I ruled it, I would be better than God. There would be no unhappiness. Everybody would have a big smile on their face if I ruled the world. And so people make a God that suits them, how they think God should be. And 
All this shows that song is this, this perception that God, that man has moved away from the perception of God that he should have, but he no longer has. He doesn't have a perception of the God of the Bible anymore. He has his own ideas. This is what God should be. This is what God should do. This is what God should be like in my mind if I ruled the world. And so now we can have our own God. <clears throat> he can be whatever we want him to be. Whatever your religion, no matter, pick any God you want. Preferably one that you're comfortable with. One that's not going to give you too much trouble. <laughs> one you can believe in. One that doesn't get in your way. Today the buzzword is spirituality. People say today, we don't want organized religion, meaning Christianity especially. Uh, we want spirituality. I'm a spiritual person. In other words, it's more private, it's more personal. It's less, there's no demands. There's no laws, there's no rules. You can live as you please and you're still spiritual. This God makes no demands. It doesn't challenge or confront. This God has no laws to obey. With this God, the God of my own making, there's no cross to bear. There's no narrow way to walk on. There's no straight gate to enter through. There's nothing to lay down. There's nothing to pick up. The God of my own making overlooks, excuses, tolerates, winks at sin. No, indeed, this God, the God of my own making, is not the God of some old, ancient, irrelevant book like the Bible. <laughs> That's what we hear today. This is a 21st century God. This is a Hollywood God. This is the celebrity's God. God knows we no longer live in the dark ages. Culture has changed. Society is different. We are much more enlightened. We're more tolerant. We say, live and let live. Hmm. <sighs> Until you become a Christian. <laughs> and then people's not so tolerant about live and let live. Sure, they're not. And so the God of our own making, funnily enough, he agrees with all of that. Isn't it strange how God has come around to our way of thinking? <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't that odd? And so he no longer expects us to believe in an old, controversial, dry, dusty, old, ancient book. He no longer wants us to believe that. Right? Wrong. Absolutely wrong. This book, old as it is, is still God's primary way of dealing with this world. Amen. And God is not going to change it for anything. <laughs> it's not. And this is why it must be preached to unbelievers. It must be taught to believers. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Psalm 1989, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You see, when you watch or listen to the news and you hear what's happening in the established churches, the Church of England, etc., etc., and you see the whole gay issue being debated and talked about and accepted and all the rest of it, and you wonder about this or about abortion and all these things and the compromises that's going on, you wonder why is that? Well, it's very simple. It's because this word is no longer the authority of God's word to them. So you can make it what you want it to be. That's why they say, well, it's the 21st century. Times has changed, but God's Word hasn't changed. But if you don't believe this is God's true Word, then you can change it to whatever. And you can make a God of your own making, and that's just what's happening. So no wonder this old book has been vilified and rubbished and denied and banished. There's countries where it is absolutely illegal to own a Bible. You'd be put in jail or worse if they caught you with a Bible. Devil hates it. Communism fears it. Atheism mocks it. The media despises it. But it's still God's unchanging, unalterable, infallible, inerrant word. And it will not and cannot change for anyone. Accepts no other gods, believes no other creeds, offers no other choices. It will not bend to culture or philosophy or science. It will not budge on matters of sin or righteousness or redemption. And it will not bow to passing trends or phases or mere men's opinions. God's word is eternal, fixed in the heavens. You can count on it. It's the solid rock that you can build your whole life upon. Now you may say, David, I know all of that. You're preaching to the converted. You're preaching to the choir this morning. I know you know that. But listen, in Exodus 32, they were God's people. And they had seen God do things that none of us has ever seen. They had saw those ten signs and wonders, those great plagues, hit Egypt and deliver them from bondage. They had saw, they had actually walked through the Red Sea and saw the walls of water on either side and they walked through on dry ground. They experienced that. They saw with their own eyes the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. They tasted it with their own lips, the manna from heaven, angels food, the Bible called it. They drank the water that God brought out of the flinty rock. They had all of that. And yet they were the same ones that made a golden calf, that made a God of their own choosing, of their own liking. Why? Why? Surely of all the people on earth, you'd think they would be the last to do that. (laughs) After all they had been through, after all they had seen God doing for them and on their behalf, surely you would imagine none of them would ever resort to that, but they did. They did. Why did they do that? Well, Moses had been up the mountain for 40 days. Just six weeks. 
And they grew impatient and angry. They had been in Egypt for 430 years. This generation was born and bred in Egypt. And they, they had the experience of God bringing them out of it. But in just 40 days, they lost the plot completely. So impatient. As for this Moses, we do not know what's become of him. Well, we can see what's become of him. He's up that mountain. The one that's thunder and lightning and fire that you can't touch. That's where he is. But God was doing something they didn't understand. God was doing something that they couldn't grasp. God had a plan at that moment. They didn't know what it was. And after just six weeks, they forgot about all that God had done in the past. And now they said, we want a new God. We want our God. We want to make a God that we're going to worship. A God that we believe brought us out of Egypt. You can't hardly believe that people would do this, but they did it. And therein lies the danger for us. When we don't understand God's delays, when God is up to something and we don't know what it is, we can become very, very impatient. If God does something different than what we want him to do, then watch out. You're going to be tested. And they were tested. It was only 40 days. It was only six weeks. But how quickly they changed in that short period of time. And so like the children of Israel, if we get impatient with God, if we can't wait for him, if he's doing things we don't understand, there's a danger like the children of Israel that in our impatience, we quickly forget God's goodness in the past. And we may say, well, I don't know what's going on, but I have my own idea what I want to do and what I want to be and what I want to have. And if God doesn't, does it. If God doesn't do it, well, I'm going to find a way to get it done. Last Sunday morning, we had a lovely service. A lot of people came to the altar. I encouraged you to present your needs before the Lord, which you did. Uh, I, I preached on the generosity of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the compassion of God, that God wants to meet our needs. And I absolutely believe that. And for many, many years, that has been a central thing in our teaching, that God is a good God and that he does want to meet needs. And he's compassionate, and he's loving, and he's merciful, and he's generous, and all of those things. But if that's all that I ever taught you, if that's all that I ever preached, you may go away with the impression that all God is is just something to meet my need. It's all he's there for, just to meet my need. If all I ever teach you is that, then you'll get imbalanced in your walk with God. 
And you'll end up thinking you'll have a, a God of your own making. Not the God of the Bible, but the God that I think should be or should do or have for me. If I conveniently forget to say <laughs> that the God of the Bible expects us to repent when we sin, that the God of the Bible expects us to live a life of holiness, that the God of the Bible wants obedience and servanthood in our lives. If I forget to teach you that, then you may end up feeling, well, God's only there to meet my need. That's all he's there to do. Well, when you read the New Testament, you get a snapshot of what a Christian really is. And the Apostle Paul uses different metaphors. But one of his favorite ones was a soldier. <laughs> Ephesians 6, the soldier in battle who is dressed for war. <laughs> Not for a cushy time, but for warfare. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the world. That's what we wrestle against. That's a fight. He talks to Timothy about waging a good warfare. He talks again to Timothy about enduring hardness as a good soldier. Fighting the good fight of faith. Right of the Hebrews talks about an athlete running with patience and perseverance, casting off every weight and the sin that easily besets us and run with patience or endurance the sin that easily besets the, the race that's set before us. Of course, Jesus talked about taking up our cross and following him. And to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation, he says, hold fast that which you have, that no one steal your crown. And so while I absolutely believe that God wants to bless us and meet needs and enhance our lives in so many ways and enrich us so many which he has and what he does, I believe that without question. But if that's all I told you, then you would get so hooked up in that that you would forget, well, God has some demands on our lives. God does expect us to do and be certain things. And what if God delays the answer? What if he doesn't meet that need that you feel you have? Hmm? Or what if God does it another way? Or what if God says, like he said to Paul, no, I'll not take that problem away, but I'll give you grace to be able to handle it. Would you be satisfied? Could you handle that? Could you live with that? Because one day that's going to happen if it hasn't already. And you'll have to hold your hand up and say, Lord, like Job, lo you even slay me, I'll trust you. I shall then come forth as gold. I remember hearing Robin Mark one time say, that, you, know, you know Robin Mark, he's written so many famous songs, sung around the world, great worship leader and writer. I heard him say one time, he says, you know, there could come a day when God would give me no more songs. 
says, while he gives them to me, I'll write them. And, but he says, there could come a day when God will give me. And what if there's no more songs? What, what if I never get another song? What if I never make another album? He says, I'll still serve God. I'll still worship God. Because that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to follow the Lord. What if you were to say, and I know people have done this, and you probably know too. What if you were to say, well, if God doesn't answer my prayer, if God doesn't meet my need, if God doesn't fulfill this desire in my heart, if God doesn't do that, I'm going to quit praying. I'm going to quit reading the Word. I'm going to quit going to church. I'm going to walk away. To the person who does that, I say, you have been worshipping a God of your own making. You haven't been worshipping the God of the Bible. God doesn't owe us anything. Nothing. We owe God everything. He owes us nothing. Sending his son to die for us on the cross, he doesn't owe us anything. Anything we get after that is a mighty big bonus because he doesn't know us. So let's make sure that God that we worship is the God of the Bible. He's the God of Scripture. And if God was never to do another single thing for you in this life, he's already done enough for you to thank him for all eternity. He really has. And that's why we should be even more thankful when he does do for us. Not that we should feel, oh, I'm entitled to that. No. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you that you gave me that. Thank you, Lord, you answered that prayer. Bless you, Lord, that you have given me that desire of my heart. Not that we're entitled to it. He gave it out of his grace and out of his love and out of his mercy. But if he should withhold, how do we react if he withholds? Do we still say, Thank you, Lord, you know what's best for me? Do we say that? Mm. What kind of God do we believe in? What kind of a God do we serve? What kind of a God do we love? Is it the God of the Bible, the one who is sovereign, who is above all, who sees all, who knows all, who has all power, all authority? The one we can trust when we don't know what's happening? The one we can believe in when we can't see a way through? It's the God that we serve. When we can't get the big picture, but the one who knows the end from the beginning, the one that we can trust, the one that says to us, trust me, don't panic, believe me, have everything under control. <laughs> Is that the God that we believe in? That's the God that we want to believe in for sure because that's the Bible God. That's the God that we know. And so, your life today is blessed beyond measure. Immeasurably blessed. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The wee chorus. And that's true, isn't it? If you sat down today and wrote down every blessing you have ever had from the moment you got saved, you would run out of paper and you'd run out of pen. That's the goodness of our God. But here's a little, a little warning. And over these years, I have seen so many people tripped up over this. 
They got it into their head that God is only there to meet my need. But if he doesn't meet it, after all the children of Israel had been through, had seen God doing, had got the, the full revelation of who he was with his miraculous power, they still, in impatience, they still made a golden calf to worship. And they turned their back on the true and the living God. Please, God, none of us ever, ever do that. If he doesn't meet our need, say, God, you know better. You know more than I do. You're way smarter than I am. And he really is, isn't he? Way smarter. <laughs> sometimes we should thank God. I mean this. Sometimes we should thank God he didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> Truly. Because we prayed amiss. And he didn't answer it. And instead of being angry or bitter or cynical against God, just say, Lord, I've lived long enough to realize why you didn't answer that prayer. And I thank you you didn't answer it. It would have been the ruination of me if you had answered it. Because God knows the end from the beginning. God looks down the corridor of our lives and he sees everything that's going to happen tomorrow and forever. And that's why we must trust him. We must trust his wisdom, his judgment. We must trust his, his compassion and his love for us. And if he refuses something, and if he says, like you said to Paul, I'm not going to take that away, but my grace is more than sufficient to meet your need in this situation. Then we lay out of his feet and we say, Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. No turning back. The cross before me and the world behind me, there is no turning back. What would you turn back to? The children of Israel, what did they turn back to? A graven image. Forgetting all the problems of Egypt, forgetting the whip of their masters, forgetting the brick killings, forgetting all of that. <laughs> At one time, they wanted all the leeks and garlics of Egypt. They're fed up with the angel food. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God sending food from heaven, eating it every day, and they get fed up with it, and they complained about it? But would we do the same? Maybe at times we have. Instead of saying, God, you're a good God. You're a loving God. You're a caring God. God, you know more about me than I'll ever know about myself. <laughs> Lord, you know my path that I should take. You know the direction I should go in. You know that I need. You know that I should have. You know what you want to do in my life. Lord, just go ahead and do it. I'm available. I'm here. Do it for your honor and for your glory. And when you live that way, then you're not going to be angry and upset and get mad at God and mad at people. You'll just trust the Lord to deal with it and take care of it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I have not one doubt in my mind that you want to bless, that you want to meet needs, that you want to fulfill desires and hearts. Lord, your word clearly shows us that. But Lord, help us, Lord, to trust you when we don't know what's happening. To believe in you when we can't see the way ahead. Lord, to look to you when our feelings and our emotions are saying the opposite. Because you know best. You know what we don't know. You know every tomorrow in our lives. 
and you are ready there to meet us in our tomorrows because you're not earthbound and timebound like we are. So Lord, I pray for every man, every woman in this service this morning. I pray that you will do with them what you had planned to do with them and that nothing on our part will hinder that. But we'll be trusting people, we'll be faithful people. Lord, it will be servants and serve you all the days of our life. Knowing, Lord, that you're a good God, a good, good Father, as we have sung earlier, knowing what's best for us, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.